This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Omaha Public Power District Board of Directors member-elect, Eric Williams. Thanks for coming on and congrats on winning your election. Yeah, thanks very much. It was an exciting time. This was my first campaign, um, first office. So I'm excited to get started with the real work. So what is the work and why did you run for this office in particular? I've been working in energy policy for about the last 10 years uh, as an individual in my own life um, with uh, small nonprofit organizations here in town and trying to help reduce the use of fossil fuels and make sure that we have a sustainable energy policy here in the, in the community in Omaha. Um, and about a year and a half or two years ago, I decided that the best way to have an increased influence in energy policy would be to run for the board of directors at our local public power utility. Uh, which is the Omaha Public Power District. Nebraska is a little bit unique uh, across the country in that we have all public power in the entire state. Uh, So every jurisdiction has only one electric utility provider, and uh, it's overseen by either a publicly elected board of directors or sometimes an appointed board of directors, but uh, someone who is responsible to the public, to the ratepayer owners, uh, and so there is not a profit motivation for the uh, for the electric utilities here in Nebraska. And uh, and the responsibility is ultimately back to the people here in our state. Why is this position important to millennials? Uh, since we have um, public power here in Nebraska, we have a, a significant responsibility to act on climate change and make sure that we're shifting to kind of a new energy uh, economy um, that is being uh, developed right now through uh, new energy technology like uh, clean energy from wind and solar, uh, energy storage from batteries and other um, new storage technologies, uh, smart grid technology to help balance the production and use of energy across our grid, uh, and then uh, new energy demands like electric vehicles, um, other high-intensity uh, uses that might shift from other fossil fuel sources uh, back over to electricity. And so um, I think that I will be the uh, youngest um, ever board member at OPPD. Um, just a couple of years younger than my um, new colleague, Amanda Bogner, who's, um, who's 38 years old. And then Craig Moody is, I think, 42 years old. So over the last couple of years, um, three relatively young board members have been elected. And I think that comes from an interest in the fact that, you know, the IPCC or the Internet Governmental Panel on Climate Change uh, says that we have about 12 years to take significant action to reduce the worst consequences of climate change. And so I think that uh, young professionals and millennials in particular really want to see action moving forward. And, uh, and so more and more of us are stepping up to get involved and uh, take leadership roles to make sure that um, businesses or uh, uh, nonprofits or government agencies or utilities are starting to deliver those, those results that we need um, to, to make sure that we are uh, adjusting uh, to a new energy economy and reducing our emissions um, that are that are causing climate change. So um, I think that there's an increased level of interest. And 
throughout the campaign, I saw, um, I was very surprised to see, um, you know, I would talk about fair and affordable electric bills and rates for everybody and improved public engagement with all members of our community. But the particular line that got the most response was when I talked about climate change. Uh, the fact that climate change is happening, that it is caused by human activity, that the consequences will be severe, and that we should take immediate and direct action. And um, I, I would not have thought at the beginning of the campaign that there would be such strong response to the idea of taking action on climate change. Uh, but but every time I, uh, I talked to groups of uh, people here in the community, they, they responded strongly. And so I think that that's um, a driving factor in energy policy and in elected offices in general that hasn't been before, but uh, hopefully will continue to be a, a larger part of the discussion moving forward. And on the federal level, we're seeing some major advocacy by progressives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on what they call a Green New Deal. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to see that we've got um, some, federal, uh, some federal action starting up. Uh, I was involved with the Alliance for Climate Protection back in 2009 after the House had passed um, a, a climate change bill, and we were working to encourage support at the Senate. So about 10 years ago, we had a shot at this, and um, I think the estimates were there were 52, 53, 54 senators who were supportive, but we needed to get to 60, and, uh, and, and we, didn't, we didn't get there. And so about a decade has passed, and we haven't seen any real significant uh, federal or national level action on climate change since. Um, but it's great to know that we now have um, leaders who are willing to step up and, uh, and talk about policies like the Green New Deal uh, that directly uh, address the ideas of climate change, clean energy, um, social and environmental justice, and uh, as well as kind of um, incorporating new energy market opportunities into our economy. So, um, it, you know, it is a, a very large uh, objective to talk about um, the, the Green New Deal concept, um, but it does help move that discussion forward. And I'm curious to see in January, uh, where things move after we uh, after we have the new uh, new members of the House seated and and see what that does at the national level discussion. I think over the last couple of years in particular, we've had a real um, lack of leadership at the national level on really important issues like recognizing that clean energy is a tremendous economic opportunity, um, admitting that uh, climate change is real and deserves action right away. And then looking into some of those um, social and environmental justice issues uh, and, and recognizing that uh, largely the people who have uh, been responsible for the causes of climate change uh, are not going to be those who feel the first and worst consequences. And so we really do have some, some significant changes that we need to bring to our economy and our energy sector. And it's great to hear that there is some federal work in that area. Uh, but even without federal legislation or um, federal regulation, um, OPPD can take steps to move forward. And, uh, and I'm glad to have the chance to be a part of that. Hey, everyone. I'm Nathan. And I'm Dylan. And as you know, Millennial Politics is totally independent and volunteer run. That means every podcast you listen to, every article you read, and every tweet you see is created by a dedicated team of volunteers. It also means that we can say what we want to say when we want to say it, but we rely on listeners just like you to support our work. We hope you'll consider supporting us by subscribing at patreon.com 
slash millenpolitics. Every dollar will go directly towards our mission of shining a spotlight on progressive candidates, causes, and organizations. And if you subscribe at the ambassador level or more, we'll send you a free copy of How Our Government Really Works Despite What They Say. It's an award-winning book about the intricacies of American government. And you'll get to join our exclusive ambassador Slack channel and get to hang out with us all day, every day. I pretty much live there. So if that appeals to you, come join us. And we want to give a very special shout out to our executive producer, Greg Stevens, and our producers, Brad Tracy and Renee Garcia-Brown. Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics. That's patreon.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N politics and join the movement. All right, now back to the show. And how exactly does this play into social justice? What does environmental justice really mean? In Omaha in particular, um, there are um, different uh, socioeconomic um, sectors of, uh, of, of our metropolitan area. And I campaigned in uh, the northeast part of Omaha. Um, Subdivision 6 is the particular district for the OPPD board. That part of town has uh, a higher population of, um, of black residents uh, the southeast part of Omaha has a higher population of uh, Latino residents. And so we have some, uh, we need to look into the energy policies that we have and find out first by, by looking through the data, do we have energy policy that is disproportionately benefiting some members of our community at the expense of other members of the community? And, uh, and I think that, um, I think that we need to make sure we understand what the consequences are of the uh, rate policy of the electric generation equipment in a, across our community and, and figure out who is being, um, who is, who is seeing more of those costs. Uh, for example, there is a, uh, a electric generation facility in Northeast Omaha, the North Omaha plant. Um, it has five burners that have traditionally run on coal, but are in the process of being transitioned to natural gas, which is a, a good step forward because that dramatically reduces a lot of the emissions that have caused negative consequences in the past. And so um, I'm very glad to, to, to see that um, process moving forward, uh, particularly because um, there are increased cases of asthma in Northeast Omaha and, um, and whether or not that is connected to the emissions from the, from the um, coal generation plants, I think is something we need to be um, very aware of. So there are um, specific connections between uh, different parts of our energy policy and different people across our community, even here in Omaha. Um, and, and we need to make sure we keep that in mind as we set policy moving forward. And obviously, if everything was going perfectly, you wouldn't have run for office. Do you see uh, your state government and your fellow board of directors members as allies in your agenda? Uh, I, I think that some things have changed at OPPD over the last couple of years. Um, in 2013, the citywide or um, community-wide elections uh, were divided down into uh, subdivisions. And so 2014, 16, and 18 were the first set of elections for each of the eight subdivisions. Uh, in 2016, two new board members replaced two 30-year incumbents on the board. And then in 2018, three new board members have been elected um, that are replacing incumbents. And so... Uh, you know, five of the eight board members are kind of um, uh, came came to the board from a different uh, kind of a different background than 
uh, was traditionally the path to be on the OPPD board. Um, more direct connection with the people that we will represent, um, more one-on-one -on -one discussion uh, during the campaign, and kind of more recognition that we have particular interests that we need to meet uh, for each of the uh, each of the different subdivisions in OPPD's territory. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to working with um, all of the members of the OPPD board. And I do know um, a couple of the, the new board members uh, from having worked with them over the last several years. So I think that we've got uh, a, a dedicated set of individuals who are uh, recognizing that there are policy improvements needed and that we're prepared to move things forward uh, in OPPD policy directly. At the state level here in Nebraska, again, it's all public power across the state. And so the three largest utilities are OPPD here in the Omaha area, LES, which is Lincoln Electric System uh, in Lincoln, which is the second largest city, and then NPPD, Nebraska Public Power District, and, uh, and NPPD then um, wholesales um, electricity down to a lot of um, rural electric associations across the state. And so um, all of the public power uh, utilities need to work together across the state to get to some of those significant accomplishments that we would all like to see. Uh, and I think we've got, um, I think we've got good leadership in a lot of those utilities that, that are all pointed in the same direction. <laughs> Nebraska is unique in another way in that we have a unicameral. Um, we have just one house in our legislature with 49 senators, uh, and it is a nonpartisan election. And so um, between the nonpartisan legislature and the public power system, we are kind of a little bit different than a lot of the rest of the country in a couple key ways. And so I'm excited to see that, uh, what the legislature can bring to help and continue to improve our public power system and focus on clean energy, um, protecting our air, water, soil, and climate, and uh, working to develop new, good-paying, green energy jobs here in Nebraska. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of wind energy potential, and uh, we have started to recognize that and started to develop wind energy here over the last several years. Depending on which uh, survey or data you use, we're something like the third or fourth highest wind energy potential state, but we're somewhere down in the 20s in the total amount of wind energy capacity that has been developed. Some of that comes from some economic reasons that uh, public power wasn't able to take advantage of production tax credits, but we now have developed a um, power purchase agreement um, system that allows public utilities to work with private developers uh, to get that to get that wind energy in particular developed and brought onto the grid and then uh, credited or um, sold to the uh, to the public utilities. So the legislature hopefully will be undertaking some energy policy bills um, starting here in January at our next session, and and I look forward to seeing how OPPD and the legislature, as well as other leaders across the state, can work together to, to get to those similar uh, objectives. And I think there are, um, you know, while there are uh, diverse political backgrounds, I think that there are some things that we all recognize need to be addressed. Uh, developing wind energy in Nebraska means that we're investing in our own communities rather than purchasing coal or petroleum or natural gas from outside of the state. And when you develop a wind farm, you are reinvesting in largely rural communities across the state of Nebraska who have really been uh, in, in tough times recently with lower agricultural commodity prices 
and could really use an, a new economic opportunity like the development of clean energy. And so I think that we have multiple uh, reasons to develop clean energy here in Nebraska, to strengthen our local rural economies, to provide good clean, pay, um, clean energy jobs that, that have, uh, have good um, wages, and to address some of the environmental concerns that uh, we know we need to be working on. So I think those three different courses to the, lead to the same outcome, that we should be developing more clean energy here in Nebraska and looking to, uh, to move away from the fossil fuels that we have had uh, so significantly as, as such a significant portion of our economy in the past. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. And we hope to speak with you later to hear about all the progress you've made. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch as well. And uh, like I said, there's new new board members coming on to join uh, the couple who uh, who started in 2016 and a couple more who have been there for a few years. And I think we're all very excited to, to move things forward uh, into the future. Okay, awesome. Lastly, to our listeners, if you want to stay up to date with the Millennial Politics Podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe on iTunes, and tune into the Progressive Radio Network every week at 8 p.m. Eastern to hear our newest episodes. Thanks for listening.